the Spirit in kids' church when you were younger, and then maybe you sang a song about it, and you, like, visualized a little, like, apple or grape or whatever. I remember learning about that in kids' church, and so I am a visual learner. Anybody else in the house visual? Yes, me and my husband both are very visual learners, and so tonight I want to talk to you about the fruits of the fruit of the Spirit, but how we are going to have to define the fruit of the Spirit and what that looks like in our life. Being visual learners, a lot of us probably can process this a little bit differently. Have you ever learned by watching somebody on what not to do, so you've learned how to do it? That's me. I have learned a lot. I have a, a renovation company, and I have watched many different contractors come in on how, how to do it. And over the years, been in it almost 10 years now, how to do things and how not to do things. And so sometimes we can learn by knowing what not to do in order to do the right thing and what God's called us to do. And so tonight I wanna talk to you about the fruit of the Spirit, but I also want to define for you what the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit looks like. Because when we know what not to do, then we're gonna know how to do it correctly, right? So 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to start with the very first fruit of the Spirit, and that's love. So tonight, we live in a world that is, truly has so much going on. The inflation, version 87 of COVID coming back, all the different things that we have going on. And we've got to be a church that looks different than the world. We've got to be the light in the darkness, and the enemy is enticing more people today than ever to quit, to give up. It's in the Bible, y'all. You can read it in Revelations. The longer we, we are here on this earth, the darker the times are gonna get. But that, we don't have to grow weary in well-doing. We know that at the end of the day that God has the victory, that he has the final say, and that we have hope in Jesus, amen? But how many of you know we serve a God that wants to teach us, and sometimes he wants to correct us and give us growth in certain areas that where we're weak. So we're gonna start with love tonight. And I want to, before I go any further, I'm gonna do a little bit of teaching tonight, is that okay? We are not a quiet church, so quit being quiet. If you believe in something and you and it hits home with you, then preach back at me. Amen. I believe it. Yes, that's right. We have got to develop a culture in here where we are loud for Jesus. We are not, uh, this is not, we are a non-denominational, spirit-filled church. So if you hear something that you believe, then speak back. Just a little culture moment there for you guys. The Bible says that he wants us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And what the, what the word says is today is that we cannot continue to sow the same cycles that we have been sowing and planting the same seed that we've been planting and expect to have a harvest of something different than the way that we're behaving. Amen? So we're going to start with love tonight because the Bible says that the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 4. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to bring those Phones some kind sometimes can be distracting, but bring the Bible so you can take notes. But I do, they have it on the screen too if you don't have that with you tonight. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, it does not parade itself, it is not puffed up. Now, I'll pause for a second. While I'm reading this, if you are familiar with the fruit of the Spirit, then think about the comparison that this is. Love is pretty much describing the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. All the other descriptions is in this one chapter. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, 
but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, and endures all things. And say it with me, love never fails. Amen? So tonight we're going to talk about the opposite of love is what? There you go. It's hate. But we need a different fruit in the world today. Love does not mean acceptance of sin. Grace does not mean tolerance of sin. We can love people who are hurting and broken, and we do not have to hate the sinner. We can hate the sin and still love the sinner. Today, God's going to use the Holy Spirit to convict and challenge us and inspire us to live differently. When you encounter the presence of God, you begin to walk different. You speak different. You make decisions through discernment. You begin to hear the voice of God louder. The more that you engage with the Holy Spirit, the louder his voice will become to you. So today, I want to talk about what areas that we can leave at the altar. And in a few minutes, I want to have a time of altar where we can repent and where the areas that God convicts us in, that we can turn from that, we can begin to live differently but he needs to pull up those roots of those issues that we've been operating in and the cycles that we've been operating in so that we can walk into a new season of harvest and grow this church, amen? We cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit. You cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit without the Holy Spirit of God. If you've come here and you have never truly surrendered everything to God and been filled with the Holy Spirit, then today is your day. So let's talk about what it looks like to live differently and the different fruits that we are going to do, or the different descriptions of the fruit of the Spirit tonight. Love was described very clearly in 1 Corinthians 13. And I know that a lot of us have been um, in church for a while. And sometimes we can get a little bit um, inclusive where we feel like we don't know how to operate outside of our community, but we are called to the sinners. We are, we are all sinners saved by grace. Amen? Thank you, God, for grace. But we have got to get outside of the four walls of the church and begin to lead others by exemplifying the fruit of the Spirit. Number one, if you're taking notes, in order to produce the fruit, there has to be a root. You have to be rooted in the Holy Spirit. Some of us have been rooted in bitterness, some of us have been rooted in unforgiveness. Some of us have been rooted in rejection or depression or a spirit of isolation, and those things are not of God. When we practice one of the fruit of the Spirit descriptions, we practice self-control by living in obedience to God's Word. This pleases God, and it brings about blessings in our life. If you want to have self-control according to the Bible, begin by dependence on God. Pray for his help and ask him to give you the strength that you need. Then allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit and walk in love. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. I have it on the screen. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. We can't just come into church and get a word or go to a women's group and get a word or open our Bible and, and really hear from God and never apply those things to our life and how we act and how we behave and how we respond to our family, to people in our workplace, to those that are in line at the grocery store. We have to be able to exemplify self-control and love. Self-control and discipline go hand in hand. 
A disciplined lifestyle, both physically and spiritually, is to benefit us and bring blessing on our life. So let me ask you this. If we're bearing fruit opposite of the fruit, the character of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then why are we continuing to question those who we come in contact with who do not want anything to offer of what we are eating? And I want to say that again. If your life is exemplifying Jesus, if your life is exemplifying the Holy Spirit, then people should, want to, should be craving what you have to offer because it has nothing to do with you. It's what's in you. Are, are, is your life allowing others to crave Jesus? I want what he has. I want what she has. There's something different in her. I've seen her walk through really difficult times. I've seen him go through difficult job changes and situations in his life, and he still had joy. Are we allowing the world around us by living our lives, are they craving what we have to offer? The purpose of the fruit is to present something to others that is enticing, that produces cravings for more, a hunger for more, because what the fruit, the world sees us bearing is more addictive than their drug addiction. It's more addictive than their social media addiction. It's more addictive than, their, uh, than the approval of others. It's more addictive than the current cycles that they find themselves in. And we have to show others that there's a different way of living, that God offers hope, and they don't have to continue to live like that. Amen? Number two, in order to produce fruit in abundance, there has to be a pruning season. If you study different harvest, before the harvest, there has to be a season of pruning. Pruning isn't easy and it's not pretty, but it is necessary. In a season of being cut down and feeling like what you're going through has been a setback, but what comes from the cut is gonna produce more fruit. And there can still be peace in the middle of a pruning season. Setbacks may just be a season of pruning, but pruning will produce a harvest. And I want you to hear me. If you are in a situation in your life tonight and you feel like, God, I just can't take anything else, can I tell you, he might be preparing you for a harvest. He might be cutting back all the things in your life that are gonna hold you back for the season that he's setting you up to walk in. The Bible says that we are to rejoice during hard times, which is very difficult to say sometimes. It's very difficult to accept but God is gonna do something with the setback season, amen? Number three, in order to produce fruit, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You have to be filled with the Spirit of God. First Corinthians 13 said, the very first fruit is love. It bears all things, it believes all things, it endures all things. You want, to, you want me to tell you why the world is hurting so much today? There's a heaviness and there's a weight of what people are going through because they've had a false impression of what love is. The Bible says that they have abandoned their first love. Abandonment is a spirit. Isolation is a spirit. And it's been cultivated in isolating ourselves into a position so, that self, so self-absorbed that we convince ourselves that we can do it better than God. I've been in areas in my life where I, I thought that if I just took something into my own hands that I could make it work easier. Can I tell you, that's a long road. That's not easy. We've replaced love with hate. And listen to me, if you say, oh, I don't hate anybody, then why did last week that you blocked somebody on Instagram because they made you mad? Come on. <laughs> that is not love. That is not love. 
We have got to forgive and let go of resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness and be able to operate in the spirit that God has called us to operate in church. If we look up 1 Peter 1, 6 in the Bible, it says this, in this you will greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Here we see that grief and joy can be present simultaneously without problem. The sorrow itself does not need to spoil the joy. As I began to study the fruit of the Spirit and go through a deeper uh, study on what every one of them means, it really opened my eyes to a lot of different um, commentaries and stuff that really hit home for me. There are two things that can be present in a person simultaneously, cannot be present in in a person simultaneously, joy and sin. In Hebrews, the Bible says that sin is fun for a season, but it will produce destruction. The enemy will convince you that living a life that seems fun is what you need to do. And, well, God would want this for me. I love it. It's fun. It's fun. A lot of teenagers are forced with peer pressure on drugs are fun. Sleeping around with everybody, that's fun. Cheating on your wife, cheating on your husband, oh, that's fun for a season. But guess what? The enemy is going to run you down a road of destruction. At the end of that is death. And there is an enemy who wants you dead so that he cannot allow the Lord to move in your life for what you have been created to do. And every one of us in here tonight have been created for an individual purpose, for an individual reason that only you can operate in. And if you allow sin to steal your joy, then you cannot reach the world around you. A cleansing needs to take place. Sin is something that has control over your life. Sin is separation from God. So the opposite of joy isn't sorrow. The opposite of joy is sin. We have to confess sin. Can I ask you to think about something just a little bit differently? Maybe... Maybe the sadness in your life right now, maybe that issue that you just can't seem to get over in your life and you just don't know what's wrong, maybe it's a sin that you haven't fully surrendered to God. Maybe it's something in your life that you truly need to give to God that only you and the Lord know about. So ask yourself tonight, what is it that's holding back the joy in my life? 3 John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Peace. In the translation of Exodus 21 through 22, translation of peace, a lot of you have heard shalom, but shalom is translated as make it good, shall surely pay, make full restitution, or to restore. The ancient Hebrew meaning of shalom was to make something whole. God wants to see you made whole tonight in him. Not just regarding a practical restoration of things that were lost or stolen, but with an overall sense of fullness, completeness in mind, in body, and in a state. Next one is patience. And the Oxford Dictionary defines Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Come on, moms, on a morning when everybody's running late to school won't get out of the bed. Amen? (laughs) I know I'm not the only one. Y'all don't act holy. Thank you. 
A dictionary defines patient as bearing pains or trials calmly without complaint. That does not sound like the Christianity I signed up for, right? We think that just because we're Christians and we give our life to God that everything's going to fall into place. Everything doesn't fall into place just because you're a Christian, but what it does is it allows you to have hope in what you're walking through. Your destiny is aligned with Christ. The direction you're headed is aligned with Christ when you're a Christian, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to face obstacles, and the Bible says to count it all joy. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of what you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Kindness. The opposite of the action verb of being kind and kindness is disservice. Think about that. Are you being kind to others? Or are you giving the name of Jesus a disservice? Are you representing his name well? Are you being kind or are you doing a disservice to what he did, a disservice to the sacrifice of who he is, of his goodness? There are mean Christians And some of y'all might be in the room. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But when you say that you are a Christian, then it is your duty. It is the spirit of God that should be operating in you to be kind. You do not need a reputation of being mean and judging people. You need to be kind. Kindness and goodness kind of go together. Goodness is described in the Bible a little differently than what kindness is, but goodness is described as humility, being interested in the needs of others, displaying integrity, being compassionate, being empathetic for what other people are going through. Goodness is displayed in the most beautiful way from God when he gave his only son. God is good. When we don't understand the grief, God is good. When we don't understand the heartbreak or the setback, or the diagnosis, or the situation we're walking through. God is good. And sometimes that's hard. I had a female who came up to me the other day when I was speaking, and she came up and she said, you know, God forgave me the other day because I've been holding something against him because I haven't seen him as good. She just walked through a miscarriage about a month ago. And she said she couldn't see God as good anymore because she'd walked through such intense pain. Sometimes it's hard for us to grasp the goodness of God with what's going on in our lives and the situation. Our situation does not negate the character of God. He is good. He is good when we don't get the answers that we thought we would get. He's good when the plan doesn't go according to our plan. He's good when you think that everything that you have done in your own way, you've tried everything and you're ready to fail. God is good and he is going to work everything out on your behalf. He's present in a very, very strong time of need, in a time of trouble when we can't understand. He's good. Faithfulness 
declares the goodness of God, and we are called to be obedient because he was obedient. Jesus was so faithful, so we are called to be faithful, full of faith. The Bible says that Jesus wept and prayed until he sweated blood because he was called to be faithful to what God had called him to be, a living sacrifice. When is the last time, you know, sometimes we want to complain of like, God, it's so hard what you've called me to do. God, it's so hard to continue to wake up every morning and read my Bible. It's so hard to come to the church and keep serving God when I have it. When is the last time God asked you to be crucified on a cross? When's the last time you laid on your face before God and wept so hard that you sweated blood because you needed to honor the calling of God on your life and you knew you were called to be faithful? God is not going to give you more than you can handle, but he has called us to be faithful. And church, it is up to us to be faithful. He only asks us to be faithful. And some of us aren't willing to stay committed to a marriage because it got hard. If you have a marriage that's struggling tonight, let me tell you, remain faithful. Whatever it takes, if it takes counseling, if it takes meeting with me and Pastor Craig, if it takes seeking mentorship on a daily, remain faithful. If you're on a job site that you know that God has placed you in there to show a light and it is getting too hard and you feel like you just can't do it anymore, remain faithful. Until God lifts that from you and he tells you to move on, remain faithful. If God's called you to this church to serve and to grow and to build, don't give up. Remain faithful. Amen? Faith is obedience. Disobedience is a sin and a separation from God. Ask yourself tonight, am I faithful or am I living in disobedience to what God's word says? This is heavy. And as I studied this um, and I I dug a little bit deeper, I was very uh, faithfulness. God takes faithfulness very, very seriously. The opposite of faithfulness is disobedience. Disobedience is very serious to God. In 1 Samuel 15, The Lord removed Saul's anointing as king because he was in rebellion. Disobedience is rebellion. The prophet Samuel tells Saul that rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Is what God's called you to to today and you saying no to, is it worth God removing the anointing off of your life? That's a hard question to ask. Some of us have been called and anointed to things that we don't want to step into because we are fearful. Can I tell you that God has equipped you to it? If he's called you to it, he's going to give you the tools and the ability and the strength to walk it out because he has created you for that purpose. And you don't have to be afraid to step out. You can be obedient and God is going to continue to open those doors for you because he's called you to it. He set you up for it. He's not gonna let you fail. You don't have to be afraid to step out. God has called you to it. He will equip you for it. Gentleness, Proverbs 15, one says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Are your words stirring up anger or are they bringing calmness to an atmosphere? Philippians 4, five says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Proverbs 25, 28, self-control. He hath no rule over his own spirit, 
He who hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. Many of us are where we all are all at today because of the walls that we've placed in our life. Some of us have been so hurt that we've put up these walls to protect us, and really they're a barrier keeping us from where God's called us to because we don't trust. I can't trust that pastor. I can't trust that person. I can't trust that friend because I've been hurt before, so I'm going to put up a wall, and I'm not going to allow God to move in my life because I'm afraid. And some of us have roots so deep that they have kept you standing, and that's the only way that you know how to stand is because your roots are so deep right now, and you say, I have to keep these roots. I have to protect myself because I've never been able to let my walls down because every time I have, I've been hurt. God's asking you tonight to tear down the walls. Let him move in your life. Let God remove those walls. Today, my prayer is that those roots of pain and bitterness will be pulled up so that nobody will ever be able, nobody, the pain that somebody else has called you is never gonna put a wall up between you and God. Don't project somebody else's pain that they caused you on God. Be vulnerable enough with, enough with the Lord tonight to say that you're struggling. And ask yourself if your roots are producing the fruit of the Spirit. God wants to set you free and fill you with a new way of living. And as the band comes back, I'm going to close tonight. The only thing Satan can use against you are two things, accusation and deception. And everything that we have talked about tonight, every fruit of the Spirit has an action behind it. But if the enemy can come alongside you and accuse you and say, well, you can't do this because look what you've done here. You'll never be able to operate in that because look what you've done here. You didn't operate in that fruit of the Spirit. Don't replace conviction from the Holy Spirit with the guilt of the enemy. Guilt and shame are not of God, but conviction from the Holy Spirit is from God. You know, it's hard sometimes to correct our kids. It's hard to, to walk out um, consequences from actions and things like that. But as a parent, you know that you do those things because you love your child, right? It's hard to discipline sometimes because our heart is so um, sensitive when we love somebody. God corrects those he loves. Lean into what God is asking you tonight to surrender to him. Whatever that fruit is, whatever that area of that fruit is, whatever description it is that you may have a weakness in, maybe you say, you know what, I've been really mean lately to my family. Or I haven't shown mercy to others. I haven't been kind. I haven't had peace in my life. I need to surrender that anxiety to the Lord. Tonight, I pray that God would empty you out so that you can be filled with the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Because we truly can't operate in the fruit of the Spirit if we don't have the Spirit of God in us. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit before, I ask you tonight to seek that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have our altar team come back tonight. I know they didn't know that. Um. But I want us to be able to encounter the presence of God. As we go back into a time of worship, I'm going to have everybody stand on their feet tonight. We're going to go back into a time of worship. 
But I want, during this time, I want you to ask yourself, what is it that I need to surrender in my life that hasn't been representing the Spirit of God in my life? It's the fruit of the Spirit. You can have patience and you can have joy, but you might still be mean. Maybe you have gentleness. Maybe you have that goodness attribute, but you don't have peace in your life. Then surrender that area to God so that you can fully operate in who you're called to be. It's not too much to handle. We all make mistakes. We all have to die to our flesh daily. But God's called us to it. He's equipped us for it. So what area tonight in your life do you need to surrender to the Lord? What fruit are you not exemplifying? What area in that fruit are you not exemplifying? What is the Lord convicting you of tonight? I know for me it was peace. With everything that, you know, all of us wear multiple hats, and I have not just truly taken peace. I'm just being honest with you guys. I needed peace. And as I began to study for this message, I can tell you that God gave me peace because I surrendered it to him. But had I not listened to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and continued to walk in, in anxiety and stress and all the things that I'm carrying and not laid that down at the feet of Jesus, then I would never have been able to get up here tonight and practice some, preach something that I'm not practicing. And it's the same way we operate. God may not have ever called you to a stage, but he's called you to a platform to bring him glory and to lead others to you. Maybe that's in your kid's classroom as a, as a mom. Maybe that's a leader in your business as, a, as an employee. Maybe it's to your family. Maybe it's to somebody in this church, your small group. But God has called us all to exemplify the fruit of the Spirit. And we should all have an area in our life that we need to work on because we want to get closer to God in everything that we do.